Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prangmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. In last week's message, my wife and I talked a little bit about why you might want to become a creative entrepreneur. In this week's message, we're going to talk a little bit more about the details of how you actually quit your day job and go to work for yourself. And so I'm going to get down to some of the nuts and bolts now of quitting your day job and uh, doing your creative thing. Some of the people that I know, that we know, have God has asked them to basically step out of their comfort zone and quit their job not to ask for donations, and just trust that God is going to provide. That's a very difficult thing to do. Um, I was in that spot about 10 years ago, and I didn't have a choice. Um, It wasn't like God said, I want you to quit your job. I got fired from my job. (laughs) I mean, actually, what happened was I got suspended without pay for 16 months. And while I was on suspension, I was I was a hot potato and nobody wanted to hire me. I could not get a job to save my life. So for almost a year and a half, um, God taught me that he was my provider. I was of the mindset that I have to make it work, that I have to be the provider, that it's all up to me to provide for my family. During that time, God was teaching me, no, I'm your provider, and I'm going to cut off all your resources right now for a while to teach you that I can provide for you. Now, after that season was done, then things started to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, more and more opportunities have come open over the last few years uh, for us to make income through our different creative abilities. So some people have this time where God says, this is not about money. This is not about you trying to be successful or you trying to make it on your own strength. You have to learn that lesson that he's your provider first, mm-hmm. I think. And then the doors of opportunity open. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's like that for everyone. I, it definitely was like that for you. And we, we know friends, some friends who were directly told by God not to ask for donations, not to earn money for themselves. And we're and, not in that position now. Yeah, thankfully. we're not. And, and how that works out with each person is going to be different. Right. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to let people know that you There's can't necessarily follow one model or one set of expectations because God will work differently with each person. Yeah. And another way that we've done it is like trying to transition out of one thing and into something else. You know, if it's too big of a leap to just quit your job and do the new thing, you know, you can let go of it gradually, uh, which is yeah. what I'm trying to do. And, and I'm doing the what same you're thing doing yeah. right now. And I, I would say it's working out uh, so far. I, I think when we make the complete transition, we're going to be okay. Plus, we have a lot of ideas written down now. In we, case, we do have a lot of ideas. In case something happens. So if our, our number one and number two ideas is crash and burn, we have more ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all this talk of economic collapse. I don't know what happens to book buying. Um, I would assume that that's not as important as food when there's an economic collapse. 
So I think it is important to have other ideas of how you're going to earn a living, you know, if you're relying on one thing. Actually, when we were reading the diary of that guy from Argentina during the economic collapse, he said books were huge because hmm. people were sitting in their homes and apartments with nothing, nothing to, to do. do. And their but electricity read. was shut he off, said, no he TV. He said, surprisingly enough, entertainment was huge. Remember, because at the black markets, big sellers were DVDs and videos and CDs and books. Yeah, but this won't be on Amazon, right? This would no. be on your street yeah. corner. It might be. I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. Yeah. Like if we have another economic downturn, maybe people won't be entertaining as much and maybe they'll be looking for you know cheap entertainment at home and sit at home and read your Kindle books. I don't know. Yeah. But God has really, really been speaking to me a lot about people writing books. Like I had that dream right. a, a month ago where God had given a, a group of people a very unusual anointing to write books and to write a lot of books in a short period of time and to become very prolific writers. And if he was going to pull the rug out from underneath our feet, I don't know why he would give us a dream about writing a lot of books. And Bill Yount had another prophetic word where God was releasing angels to help artists and musicians and writers get their work out and Mm -hmm. become very prolific. And so this is, I think, a really good season for creative people to put the wood to the fire, to get your content out there, start painting, get your stuff ready, get your books written, get your music recorded. Yeah. You know, like for recording, it doesn't have to be anything great. Here's the, the cool thing about right now is it has never been easier to make a living from home as a creative person. Decades ago, if you were an artist, you had to go out to shows or you had to be getting galleries. Mm-hmm. There was nobody really making it as an artist from home, online, putting their artwork up on websites and stuff. But nowadays, with uh, Instagram mm-hmm. and Society6 and all these other places. Pinterest? Pinterest. You can, Facebook? You can put your, your artwork out there, your music out there. You can have it on these websites. And you can do no shows, no galleries. As an author, years ago, it was all about going to brick-and-mortar bookstores and doing book signings and going, spending your money and time, going around and signing people's you know, books or trying to get your manuscript accepted by a publisher today, it can be all done online. Some of the most successful authors, they don't set a foot outside their house. They don't do any book signings. They do no speaking engagements. They do no traveling. They sit at home on their computer, write books, publish them, and Mm -hmm. drink coffee and eat bacon. Yeah, and you can. The thing is, they're still communicating with people all over the world. They still have a huge through audience, maybe podcasting and through their Facebook and their social it, but media. But it can all be done online. Yeah, and and with artists too. You know, I just submitted a piece of work to a contest. You know, and all I did was take a picture of it, and I had a di- a good digital image, and I just uploaded it along with a form online. And I'll just wait and see if I win anything. You know? And 25 years ago, you would have had to go to some place. Yeah, you'd have to probably bring the painting. Frame it, I'm not sure it how it worked it. then. But it, I know when I first got out of art school, I was, I was such an introvert then. I mean, I was a shy, introverted person. And um, I just could not imagine myself taking my work around to galleries and possibly getting rejected. So I didn't. You know, did you have fear of rejection? Yeah, probably I did. Just just because not because of my art, but more because of my personality and my inability to talk to people. 
So I was afraid, what if they ask me this? What will I say? When you're young, you're not that good at conversing with older people. You know, I thought all these gallery owners are all older than me. What do I know? And I really didn't know that much. They don't teach you in art school that much about the actual art business. Right. And how to get into a gallery. Oh, they have like a little class on it maybe, but it's all about how to shake hands with confidence. And you don't know what to say. Yeah. You don't know how to negotiate a price for your work. It's too bad in high school composition, they don't teach you how to publish Kindle books. Well, maybe, yeah, they should. (laughs) I mean, there's so much practical stuff that needs to be taught. And you don't get it in school a lot of times. I think in almost every profession, you learn a lot by doing on the job the stuff you didn't learn in school. There's a lot of theoretical stuff that you learn. Yeah, it's so much easier now. Because if you're an introvert, you can still do Facebook. You, I mean, a lot of times I'm so much better ex- at expressing myself in writing than I am in uh, talking to a group, for, for example. That is terrifying for a lot of people, not just me. But it's easier when you're behind a podcast microphone. Yeah, and with Facebook, you can take as much time as you need to compose your message. Yes, and you can edit and you can sound really good. <laughs> and you can take a couple of days to get back to people on that. Yeah, so... You know, there there's a lot opening up in the arts, writing, all that, that community. I want to talk a little bit about Facebook. You know, Sam Bennett talks a lot about uh, prioritizing your time. And, you know, what if I don't like social media? Well, you know what? Social media is not everyone's strong point. But social media is, not, is also not the only thing you have to do. Some people are very good at uh, public speaking. Some people are great at, you know, the technical ends of, doing like digital recordings and, and uh, editing them and uploading them. Some people are really great at YouTube videos. Some people mm-hmm. are great at uh, like some people manage their Twitter accounts really effectively. I happen to have a really uh, crazy ability to connect with people on Facebook because I'm a maven. Yes, you do. I mean, I'm just a maven personality, so I tend to draw a lot of people into conversations. I ask discussion questions. I tend to create a lot of discussion. Engagement. Engagement. And that's the thing about Facebook. I think the biggest mistake that I've seen over the years with respect to people who are creative creative people, they fail in their use of Facebook because they don't understand how important engagement is. Mm-hmm. Like I have these friends who are trying to promote books or music or art. And they think that just getting a Facebook account and putting out a post or a link to your latest painting or your book or whatever is going to bring people around to buying your stuff. That is true of probably 75% of my creative friends, maybe more. Um, The thing that makes social media work is you have to engage a community of people which means you can't just have one-way communications where you're posting something out there and expecting the whole world to react to it. You have to uh, go uh, on other people's pages and comment yeah, I mean, on their unless you're like an things NBA, that they post. Yeah, if you're not like an NBA center or a baseball player, <laughs> you know, unless you're Tim Tebow, you're not going to get 6 million likes from posting a scripture verse. Now, right. if you're Tim Tebow, you will get 6 million people who will like you posting John 3.16. But most of us are not like that. Most of us have to go out into Facebook. We have to make friends. We have to comment 
on their posts. We have to like their posts. We have to interact with them. You have to say encouraging things to your friends. You have to encourage them. Yeah. You have to respond to their questions. You have to spend a little bit of time engaging those people. Because if you don't engage people and you don't build relationships and don't build that community, Facebook is going to be absolutely useless to you as a way to promote and market your stuff. It's all about engaging, and that's the thing that a lot of people, they just either aren't feel are not good at it or they don't have the time. I will tell you, it takes time to engage mm-hmm. people on Facebook. It's not something you can do 10 or 15 minutes a day. That's something that takes hours to do. Yeah, I used to be really kind of uh, annoyed at all the time you spent on Facebook in the beginning. I mean, oh, I didn't really see the point of it. really not happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't see the point of it, and I didn't know where we were going with any of this stuff. I mean, the fact that you ended up writing books, uh, that wasn't planned. That wasn't like, oh, I'm going to build a Facebook audience so I can sell them books. It It just happened that way. Well, here's the thing. I didn't understand why I was getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and jumping on Facebook and engaging and interacting with people for two or three hours every day. I really couldn't tell you why I was doing that. I just knew like it was the thing I had to do. Well, because you're an extrovert and you like to talk to people. <laughs> True. I think you also like to vision cast. I remember you used to use that word a lot. When you, when you got into healing and you kind of it clicked and you got it, you wanted to cast that vision to other people, yeah. you know, spread it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you were doing that. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you're just spending so much time online. And this What's is really taking away from our relationship. You know, I, I want yeah. more of your time than that. But the thing is, the time I invested in connecting with people and praying with people and answering their questions and uh, making a lot of bacon comments, and <laughs> posting coffee memes, all of that time doing that silly stuff created a legitimate community of people where, who we really came together. Like, you know, the, the unchurched and the, and the church dropouts, mm-hmm. particularly, they needed a place to come where they can have conversations and they and can share their experiences, encouragement. And, and sometimes just somebody to talk to, to express their disappointment. Yeah. I remember getting emails about a lot of things that, you know, I could just sometimes, listen yeah, and maybe just give a, shoulder, a little advice. Well, yeah, just being a shoulder to cry on. Mm-hmm. But, we didn't know it at the time, but all the time that we invested in contributing to that community of people, when we started publishing books, that group of people, they were like, oh my gosh, he finally put a book out. We got to tell people about that. One of, our, one of our tribe put a book out. And oh, it's really cool. We read it. And it's really awesome. If you're going to be using Facebook or any social media, you have to realize, look, it's social media. You have to be social. Get to know people. Mm-hmm. Send them private messages. Ask them questions. Hey, how you doing over there? Mm-hmm. Um, get to know people. It's it's really about making friends, and it's about developing that community. If you don't develop the community, you're wasting your time. It's yeah. never going to produce any fruit. I don't feel like I do enough of that, or as much as I'd like to. There's so many. I have so many friends now because of you. It's like oh sure, I was blame the me beneficiary of. Uh, the overflow from you. And then when you went off Facebook, I think people were kind of like, where do I go now? Who do I talk to? I'll talk to Denise because she'll tell praying medic, you know, I don't, I just don't feel like I do enough of that, but I was still benefiting from it. And, and now I have all these friends and it's hard to keep up with as many friends as you have. And Facebook doesn't allow you to 
Um, see everything from your friends. It used to be eight or nine or maybe 10%. It's probably less than that now. So people are posting things that they're maybe thinking I saw and I didn't even see it. Yeah. Why are you getting all upset? You didn't <laughs> like my thing. Well, I'm sorry, but I mean, yeah. that's, a lot of people don't realize that Facebook's yeah. algorithm only allows you to see something like eight or 9% of your friends list stuff that they post. And now it's probably less than that because there's a lot more promoted posts and ads in there. You know, one of the cool things I like about MeWe, my other social network, is you see 100% of all the posts of all of your friends. They don't... If you uh, have time to look at them, right? If you have time <laughs> to look at them. But, you know, MeWe is such a small network. It yeah. takes me about 15 or 20 minutes to see everybody's messages. Even though I have 700 friends, there's not yeah. that a lot of people that are on there right now. I mean, we got really fed up with Facebook, but... Despite all the things they've done wrong. It's a love-hate relationship. I love my friends on Facebook. Yeah, that's the thing. I hate the way Facebook is being run. It's the people that you want to connect with who are there, and they're not necessarily willing to move from there. I will tell you this, though. I will tell you this, if you're listening and you're interested. If you go over to MeWe, you will be able to get voice messages from me, and I sometimes post videos of myself talking and giving messages. Uh-oh. I'm just letting you know. I've posted a bunch of them. So if you, um, if you weren't inspired at, to go to MeWe before, me, maybe you MeWe will be is kind of like, I'm treating it like my VIP club. Like mm-hmm. if you really want to get to know me and see and hear some stuff that nobody else is getting to hear and see, it's on MeWe. Um, you, like if you send me a private message on MeWe, I'll reply back to you with a voice message that's usually five or ten minutes long if you ask me a a long question that is well. Now don't go inviting a whole lot of well <laughs> long questions. I'm just letting people know that there is there is a reason to connect on me with me if you want to, um, but you don't have to. Yeah, and, I'm uh, not on there very. I don't go on there very often I at haven't all, just because time constraints. Yeah, I've I'm been, juggling things. I've been so busy trying to get this latest book out. I haven't been on there much either. Yeah. Oh, so one of the things you need to do if you want to quit your day job. Uh, Tim Kaczynski, yes, I'm talking to you (laughs) and all you other guys out there. Look, quitting your day job isn't necessarily something everyone needs to do, but if your day job is sucking your will to live and it's just not what you feel called to do and you feel like there's something bigger, then pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And here's one of the things that you can uh, look forward to doing, and that is learn to be prolific at what you do. If you're a writer, get in a habit of writing and write a lot. And people always ask me, how in the world do you have time to write all those books? Because I really am, I write a lot. Mm -hmm. And Denise is my witness. I will wake Mm -hmm. up in the morning, if I have my way, I'll wake up in the morning, grab my cup of coffee, sit at my computer, and I'll write all day long. Mm -hmm. And, And I'll just write and write and write and write. And I mean, I'll take breaks, I'll, you know, for Post dinner and lunch, in between. get on Facebook, check my email, <laughs> uh, whatever. But I have just learned that if I'm going to do this, I have to take it seriously and I have to spend an enormous amount of time doing it. We do not watch TV. No. We do not watch movies. No. I limit my time on social media. I really do. I'm not on there all day long anymore. I used to be, but I'm, I'm not anymore. If you are going to be serious about kicking your day job to the curb. You need to spend a lot of time developing your craft, your skill, 
your content, you need to spend a lot of time painting or drawing or developing your musical ability or learning how to record or whatever it is that you're doing. You need to invest time doing that. Now, I am really, really fortunate in that I have a job where between uh, calls on the ambulance, I can take my laptop with me and I can write. And I I do a lot of writing. I'm just always in this mode where I'm thinking about what what can I write next? What's the next story? What's the next experience? What's the next, whether it's a testimony, whether it's a, um, a fictional book, whatever it is, I always, I have a million ideas running around my brain and I'm always mm-hmm. looking for something to write on so I can just write. And you're going to be seeing a lot more books coming out for me in the next year or two. I'm going to be releasing them as fast as I have the ability to write them. They're going to be coming out um, because the successful people that I've learned from, that's what they do. You have to create your content, you have to get it out there and you have to let people have a look at it. Let them read it. Let them listen to it. Let them see it and let them share it with their friends. That's the only way you're going to be successful at this. Now, I have a friend who has written um, three or four books. Actually, I have a number of friends who have written three or four books. These guys have been writing for twice as long as I have been. And they are working at a pace of maybe writing one book a year, one book every two years, some of them one book every three years. If you want to be a serious writer, you need to find a way to write probably two or three, maybe four books a year. And if you're talking about Kindle eBooks, you should be able to write a book a month and publish it. Here's the thing. What I've found is people spend way too much time guarding the one or two books that they've written and trying to promote them and take them to book shows and go to author fairs and trying to promote the heck out of the one or two books that they've already written. Don't do that. (laughs) The secret to being successful as an author is to write a lot of books. Write a book, promote it for a week or two, but at that time you should be working on your next book. Mm -hmm. Write another book and get it out there and make it on a different subject. And Promote that for a while and then write another book and write another book and keep writing more books because each time you publish a book and you post an excerpt of it on your blog or you talk about it on your podcast or whatever it is that you're doing to, you know, social media wise, each time you create a little more content, you're expanding your audience a little bit more. Now, my next book that I'm going to release is, strangely enough, it's called American Sniper uh, Lessons in Spiritual Warfare. It's a short, going to be a short book, 12,000 words. And you said you don't watch movies, but you got to watch this on duty. And I don't watch movies, but I got to watch this one on duty for free. Um, and the Holy Spirit connected a bunch of dreams and some really cool stuff. And so I was going to write a blog post on this thing, like a, one lesson I learned about spiritual warfare from American Sniper. Well, I kept writing and kept writing and kept writing. <laughs> Pretty soon I had 7,000 words written. And I'm like, nobody's going to read a blog post that's 7,000 words long or a series. So I decided to just turn it into an ebook. So I wrote a little bit more over a couple of weeks and edited the content. And now I'm going to be publishing an ebook on what I learned about spiritual warfare from American Sniper. Um, the whole process of writing that book took me uh, about a month uh, from start mm-hmm. to finish. And if you're going to be um, a writer, you need to be thinking about writing short, pithy, deep, uh, really helpful, impactful books. There's no reason you can't do that. The old model of writing a book, submitting the manuscript to a publisher, waiting for it to be rejected, submitting it to somebody else, waiting for it to be rejected, submitting it again, and finally having somebody accept it. 
And once you get a, a book contract, you know, if God is willing that you get a book contract, the publisher allows you to write maybe one book a year. If you're lucky, that's a fast mm-hmm. pace. Maybe every two years. That model is toast. It's history that is not the model that people are using to be successful authors right now. Some people think they have to go that route to have credibility, but I don't believe that anymore. I don't think that's There's, true. Yeah, that that's just... That, just because a publisher says you're good enough to be on their label, you know, yeah. create your own label, you know, create start your own, your own label, thing. <laughs> create your own business. I'll, I'll post a link in the uh, podcast notes to a video I just recently created that shows you how to take a Microsoft Word document and upload it to Kindle to turn it into an ebook file. It's a very simple process. Mm-hmm. You can do it in about 10 minutes. But I would just caution everyone, have your book edited. Have your book edited, please. <laughs> if you want to be taken seriously, really, yes. you have to be professional. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of self-published books that are less than professional, and some of them are downright bad. They're atrocious. So find someone who knows what they're doing, um, even if it's just for spelling, punctuation, grammar, and they're not, even if they're not edit- editing your content or helping you organize or rearrange, just get the, try to get the spelling, grammar, yeah. punctuation if right. You have and we been... haven't always gotten it right. No. We're learning. But it's, it's really important. If you've been writing uh, as a blogger or as a writer for more than three or four years, you should have some pretty good idea about how to write a, a good message that is punctuated correctly, that has decent sentence structure, good flow of thought, and doesn't need a lot of editing. If you're one of those people and you've written a lot and you've got a lot of good feedback and you're a fairly polished writer, you probably don't need editing as much as somebody who's a fairly new writer who isn't as familiar with flow of thought, sentence structure, things of that nature. Those people are going to need a lot more help with editing. And yeah, I would definitely suggest have someone edit your work before you publish it because there there are a lot of people who are publishing very good books and a lot of them and they're very successful but they're writing good books Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are writing really crappy books and they're not making any money and they get a lot of bad reviews and it's basically a waste of time you're not really helping anybody by writing a really poorly written book yeah bad reviews are just going to kill you 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 don't want that. Um, Put out your best work. And I can just hear a lot of people, because this is what we hear, people saying, but this sounds like a lot of work, and this sounds too hard, and I don't know how, how to start a WordPress blog, and I don't know how to uh, do a podcast. format a book, and <laughs> I don't know how to do a podcast, and I don't know how I don't know how. But we learn some of this stuff online for free. I mean, sometimes you have to pay for some of your education, right? Um, so, but there are people teaching this. It's not that hard to find. Yeah, there's a lot of good information out there for free. Um, I'll put go some, on YouTube. Yeah, go on Do YouTube. Do a Google search. Go, gosh, I mean, I love uh, lynda.com. Yes, L-Y-N-D-A.com. We'll put a link in the notes. You can uh, subscribe for a membership to them, and I have done that on and off over my art career. Uh, my graphic design career to learn new programs, new applications that are coming out to learn little tricks in Photoshop. You can learn anything on there now. When it became uh, obvious that I was going to have to learn how to use InDesign and I'd never used any of the Adobe Creative Suite products. I went on lynda.com, 
watched a couple of tutorial videos that were very clear, very concise, explained how to bring in text and how to edit it. It was really, really helpful for me. Their people that they hire to do these tutorials. tutorials are so good. They're very professional and they're very well done and they give you complete information. Yeah. Um, and you pay for it. I mean, what are we paying? 30 a month or something like that. But you can turn it on and off. If you just need a month's worth of education on some topic, if you're going to take a crash, or whatever yeah, if you're going to take a crash course and you're going to spend a couple of weeks learning some stuff, just pay the 30 bucks for the one month. Then you can shut it down and you can go back later if you need to learn something else. But there's tons. There's tons a lot of free. Of if you on there. get a WordPress website, they have a lot of tutorial videos out there. And I mean, everybody and their brother is making WordPress tutorial videos. So if you have a problem with setting it up or getting it hosted or whatever, just look on YouTube and you can find anything on YouTube. You can learn how to build a nuclear bomb on YouTube for Pete's sake. I mean, you learned how to put a clutch in our washing machine. I learned how to put a clutch in the washing machine on YouTube. I learned how to change out the ice maker in our refrigerator freezer on YouTube. Yes. I learned how to replace the oxygen sensor on your Subaru. From a yes, YouTube video. Correct. I mean, the number of things that I learned on YouTube Timing is ridiculous. Belt, wasn't it? I learned how to trim the palm trees on YouTube. Yes. I had no, no idea what trimming palm so trees was about. If you have a computer and you have Google or you can do a search, you can find so much good stuff that will help yeah. you. But you don't need to sit there and think, I don't know how, I don't know how. But becoming your own entrepreneur, becoming your own business person. It is a lot of work. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like you're going to do Instance this in, in a couple of, of days. But here's the deal. If your day job really is just not where it's at, start working towards getting yourself your own business. Now, the business end of it is not probably as scary as a lot of you are imagining. Uh, here in Arizona, it's a fairly straightforward process. You get onto Cheap the state, too. you get a business license, you pay 25 bucks for it. You fill it out, put in your name of your business. I would say this, put a little bit of thinking into how you're going to do this. The first thing you probably want to look at is getting a, a, a web domain that goes with the name of your business. So you're going to have to do a domain name search first to find a domain name that is not taken that That's works. hard. And that can be a very difficult process, but it's something you have to think of early on. And maybe the first thing you want to do is, before you even come up with a name with your business, you need to find a domain that's available that's going to go with your business. Right. And, and you have to make sure that your business name is not already taken so that you don't end up in some kind of... Lawsuit? Uh, yeah. Would you like to tell a story about that? Oh, yeah. That? Well, I worked for a company in Washington State when we lived there. And they had the they name. had a company name that they've been using for a long time. They ended up in a huge lawsuit with some nonprofit. Uh, nonprofit organization that had the same or a similar name. I should say similar name. It wasn't exact. And they got sued. And they got sued and they had to change their whole business name. And they had to pay uh, a fairly ch- large settlement, didn't I they? I don't remember any of those details. Yeah. But they they finally did settle out of court, I guess, because they knew they weren't going to win. Against a nonprofit, you know, nonprofits are going to have preferential treatment because yeah. they're doing good things for a community. They're not uh, the big corporate oh, bad guys. So they knew they had to go through with this. We had to change everything, everything every piece of paper and I was the graphic designer at the time and I had to design the new logo and um, 
letterhead labels. The website had everything. to be completely changed. We had to get the word out that we're changing our name. It was huge. So you don't want to make that mistake. That's yeah. a big mistake. Come up with a unique name that nobody else has. Do some research and make sure you have a name that nobody else is using. Um, you that's can't what we get had all married for to our, some name that yeah, you just think our, is the perfect name. For our book company, uh, Inkity Press, we actually went on Facebook and asked a whole bunch of people, hey, give us a name for our book company. And we had a lot of really good suggestions, but almost all of them were already taken. Yeah. And we finally came up with a name that we did some research and found out nobody's got this. Yeah, well, there is an Inkity.com, but it's a t-shirt company. So it's not yeah. even competing with us in any way. And and we have yeah. we have a different name, even though we're using the same Inkity. So the business end of this, it can be fairly straightforward. Don't get frightened at it. You know, it's, you need to One get a business license. A you probably want to uh, initially start out getting licensed as an LLC, a limited liability corporation. That's how most small businesses go. Um, that will probably work for you for a while. Yeah, you need to get set up with tax licenses if you're selling something that is taxed. If you have a service, a lot of times those services aren't taxed, but you have to look it up for your state and your locality. Uh, Talk to somebody who knows a little bit about the tax codes. We hired a uh, enrolled agent to do yeah. our taxes for us. He's not a CPA, but he's a he's called an enrolled agent. Somebody who who knows a lot about tax stuff. They don't charge as much as CPAs do. Right. But it is good if you can afford to hire a CPA in the beginning. I would recommend it because they can help you set up your books. It's good. You really should have a separate business account at your bank. Yes. You don't want to be mixing. We, this is we, really a big no-no. We, we learned, uh, we had a little bit of a learning curve on that issue. Well, I knew it from before when I had businesses in the past. You just have to learn that you don't mix your business account your with your personal stuff. You cannot buy stuff for you personally through your business account. You don't want to be doing that. Um, the IRS will come down on that stuff if they discover it. And, and you really don't want to be on that side of the thing. <laughs> the IRS will make your life hell. Yeah. So why not just do it clean? It makes your bookkeeping so much easier because you have everything separated already. If you had to go through your personal checking account and find all the business items in there, if you were mingling things together, I've done that when I was a sole proprietor back in Pennsylvania. And it was so difficult very time consuming. But now when we have just our business account, we pay for everything for the business through that account. There's nothing personal in there unless, unless my husband forgets and he forgets his debit card and then he has to buy gas on the business card. <laughs> yeah. So, so it makes it so much easier when tax time comes. Not that tax time is easy. I mean, I'm the one who does all this work, so I know it's not easy, but at least it's easier when you have everything in one place. All of the things you buy for your business go through your business account, your business debit card, your business credit card or whatever, or your business checking account, not, not your personal. That will keep your, make your life so much easier and keep you from IRS problems. Here's another thing to think about. We were concerned about insurance, uh, health insurance, when I was looking at quitting my job. Because, you know, as a solopreneur, entrepreneur person, basically just you or one or two people, maybe you and your wife or husband in your business like we are, you're thinking, well, one of us needs to have like a full-time job so we can have some kind of health insurance. What we found out was uh, through our uh, business, our LLC, we needed to start uh, giving ourselves a paycheck. 
and we got set up with uh, this company called Paychex. They do payroll services for small businesses. Well, let me uh, add to that since... Um, I was just setting you up. Yeah, since I know more about that. I believe it was when we just had this simple LLC, we didn't do a paycheck. We would just take money out of our business account, move it into our personal account when we needed money you know, to live on. And that's perfectly okay. When you're, you can do that when you're a sole proprietor. You can do that as an LLC. But then our, when we started actually earning money, which was surprising, our tax guy said, oh, you're actually going to earn money with this business? You know, when he saw, when I gave him uh, six month or nine months figures on how we did, uh, he was surprised. We were earning enough money that he said, you better switch over and get S corporation tax designation for next year. So we, that was for 2015, he said we needed it because 2014 we were showing income that we were getting taxed heavily on and we had a big tax bill at the end. Because a lot of people start up uh, small businesses, but they never really make much money. Yeah. And if you're not making a lot of money, you can just be a sole proprietor and LLC, no big deal. But once you start making a significant amount of money, you're going to get taxed big time on that if you don't find a way to change your designation. Yeah, so. so you apply, basically, and our, our enrolled agent helped us. He did the paperwork for us to apply for S corporation status. We are still an LLC, right? but we're looked at as an S corporation by the IRS, and they said you have to pay yourself a paycheck now. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Okay. Setting up an LLC... You, there's some rules and regulations on how you do that. You have to have, you know, members, board members, and there has to be a president, and there has to be officers and stuff. Well, Denise and I are the head cook and bottle washer of the LLC. We, you have to have articles in corporation. There's a little bit of paperwork you have to fill out. It's not a lot. It looks like it could be a little intimidating, but it's really at the end of the day, it's not a lot of paperwork. You can get help with that. You can we, get help with it. There's the, uh, the state office was pretty good at helping us fill it out. And we just filled it out. And sh- I, you know, I'm the CEO or I'm the president and she's the vice president or whatever. Uh, we you officially, you have to have periodic meetings where you vote on stuff and you keep the minutes of notes. the, keep the minutes of the meeting and keep, take the notes, just get a folder and put all your stuff in that folder. I think you, in our situation, we really only have to do that like once a year. It's yeah. because we're just the mom and pop thing. We don't have employees. Right. It's not a huge deal. We don't have any shareholders or anybody else involved in our finances. Right. So, so what you were saying, though, about the S-Corp is... Yeah, so once you are an S-Corp, then you have to pay yourself a paycheck. And then you are both employer and employee. So you pay some taxes as an employer... And you also pay taxes as an employee. But then what they do is the, the, the paycheck that you pay yourself gets taxed at a higher rate. And then other money that you move out of the business into your personal account, I believe it's called distributions. You can take distributions as well, and those are taxed at a lower rate. So that was the benefit of doing this. Plus, there's a lot of other benefits once you go into that realm of operation. Right. The health because insurance. You can, we had all that done through paychecks, and paychecks allows anyone who's subscribed to their service to join in their health network uh, so you can get health insurance through them. Right. So we didn't do that yet, but if Praying Medic leaves his paramedic job, then um, we have the ability 
to get our health insurance through paychecks, the Plus, people who are doing our payroll. There's also um, a bunch of tax advantages. You can set up 401ks and retirement accounts yes. through that, which will further reduce your tax burden. There's some really cool stuff involved once you become an S-Corp. It's a little more uh, complicated, but mm-hmm. there are some It's a little scary in the beginning. You yeah, know? it is a little there's scary. A but if a couple of idiots like us have been able to do it, you guys can do it too. So don't, yeah. don't fear. Thankfully, there are people who help you. I mean, Paychecks Oh, the people from Paychecks were help. awesome. They were very, very helpful. Explained it they all to us. They were meeting with us. Um, and they were informing us of all the services they provide and they can help us with and all the things that are available to an S corporation. So, and then anytime I've had any kind of letter come in from the state of Arizona about our business, I just, I just, uh, pick up copy the phone it, and <laughs> send it digitally to the people at paychecks and they say, we're taking care of it. We're and on I'm, it. I'm thinking great. Cause I don't even know what this means. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I wanted to talk briefly about is the separation between Ministry, which is some people run as a uh, a tax exempt entity, and then your business. And I'm not going to say a lot about it, other than to say that um, if you are producing things like books or paintings or music, a lot of that production and sales of that stuff you cannot do through a tax-exempt organization. You have to do it through a business. Right. The, the IRS gets a little bit weird about that kind of stuff. You have so, to find out in your area. Yeah, so Jer- Jeremy is a good example. Um, Jeremy Mangersheen. Jeremy has two different entities. He's got Bastion Ministries, which is 501c3, tax-exempt. Mm-hmm. Tax his ministry stuff goes through that. And then his uh, books are sold through his personal uh, business. Right. And it's probably not a bad idea to have a separation. If you have a ministry and you're going to be producing things, you're going to be selling. You don't want to be mixing those two. You probably want to have uh, a business for the sales and your 501c3, your, your tax exempt for donations thing. and everything for else. donations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just something to think about. Um, there is a lot to think about in this, but, um, it's one step at a time. I mean, yeah. you-, you don't have to know it all at once. It's a learning process. You just, you know, do some research, look on the internet, uh, make some phone calls to your, your state business people. It's not as difficult as it probably looks from the outside. We're on the inside looking out and it's not that bad. We're actually having a lot of fun doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of work to it. There's actually probably a lot of work to it. But, but it's <laughs> our thing. So we're enjoying the stuff we do. I yeah. mean, we get worn out and our idea of Rest is, you know, we go out to dinner and talk more about business. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> or we uh, get in the bed and turn on the computer and, and watch old episodes of Overhaul and, <laughs> and eat popcorn. <laughs> so we get a, a break once in a while. But yeah, but we, we are, uh, we're taking this seriously. And we are committed to kicking our day jobs to the curb. We seriously do want to just work for ourselves. She's going to do her paintings. I'm going to do my books. Um, that is what we feel like God has really given us as our true destiny. Like mm-hmm. our identity and our destiny is she's supposed to paint and I'm supposed to write. And we've been doing the wrong things for a long time. Yeah, we're in our 50s. So uh, I feel like, oh my gosh, I've wasted all this time. I could have If been you're painting. younger than us, you have a head start. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God's timing. We're, we're finally getting it. And... Uh, making it happen. And maybe we needed to be this mature in order to be able to do it. 
you know, I'm not sure I could have done this when I was younger. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, if you have questions, comments, if you have uh, anything that we can help you with, you're free to contact us through uh, our website. Uh, you can email us. Um, if you find this on social media, whether it's on Facebook or on my blog, you can ask questions there. Um, I try to get to people and ask, answer uh, the questions as much as I can. Um, you're welcome to just send me a private message and, or an email. And I'll try to get to you as time allows and give you the best answer I can. And if I don't know the answer, I'll just make something up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could happen. That could happen. So I think, Baby Doll, that is going to be a wrap. Yes. Um, that's probably enough for people to think about. This will be up there. You guys can take notes off of it. It's a lot of information to digest, but I really feel like God is doing some crazy cool things right now Mm -hmm. with regard to creative people. And I think that the only thing that's limiting us is our own imagination. We're the bottleneck. God wants to do so much more. He wants to do so many more things with us. And we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to believe in ourselves and believe that he is really going to do some cool stuff when we start getting out of the daily humdrum yeah, routine. Yeah, let's take that art mountain, book mountain, or publishing mountain. Yes. You know, put out kingdom stuff. Let our light shine. Let our light shine. To the world. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about this show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.